if we've given you something to comment about. You can always reach us. Tell us exactly what it is you're thinking about our conversations. one 509 4545 If you leave us a message on the voicemail box over there, give us permission to air it if you want us to do that. Also, feedback at ami.ca is our email address. And on Twitter, the handle is at AMIAudio. Also very engaged on social media. So check us out there. I'm Ramia Amudin here with Danielle McLaughlin. And on Wednesdays, we flip through some headlines a couple times in the show. But the first one starting with Grant Hardy, uh, focusing on a little bit of health. And Grant, you were on our meeting earlier when we talked about this tattoo business. But the the question of copyright, do you have any... Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Who really owns the copyright to someone's tat? Yeah, it's a funny one because I i mean, I would imagine these things, I mean, the thing is, hopefully these things would all be settled kind of in your contract <laughs> rather than sort of after mm-hmm. the fact. I, I personally, um, I personally would like to see people, consumers having control of their own tattoos. I kind of have a problem with the idea that an artist could, I know this isn't the case in this story, but that an artist could sue after the fact or sort of hold the copyright to your design so that your friend couldn't get it. I mean, I get it. My body, my art kind of thing. I guess that's the idea. I I get Mm. the other side though too. So it's, worth yeah. thinking about yeah gray area for well sure. definitely gray area well Daniel, you were gonna say well i was just one, gonna say that people sorry, start ahead. sorry i was just gonna say that people tend to identify with their tattoos so you know if you say it's not even yours it belongs to the artist who did it people will probably object to that because they'll say sure. hey i'm the guy with the snake on my face or something like that exactly (laughs) yeah i think that's the idea and it's funny because a lot of you know even stuff like your wedding photographer or your you know all these services that we have a lot of people feel i believe as though they sort of own the copyright to something Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people won't give you the original like photographs or you know there's all kinds of stuff so and it's yeah it's one of those things i can't say i fully agree with it but i kind of get the other side though Mm. so i don't know let's share right oh we've stirred something up right now all right Grant. (laughs) grant what do you have for us today okay well one thing that is not up for dispute i don't think is that uh sleep is very important. And we've got an article here from Best Health, what to do when you get seven hours of sleep or more and you still feel sluggish. Um, If you wake up feeling like you've just run a marathon or you were up all night, that is a red flag, says Mark Julios, a neurologist and sleep sleep health expert at Sunnybrook hospital in Toronto. People come with different levels of energy and every one of us is very different. We all need a different amount of sleep, he says. But if you're still tired and you don't have the ability to carry out tasks, that's obviously a big problem. Now, many individuals monitor their sleep using an app on their smartphone, a smartwatch or a fitness tracker, which is not a bad idea, he says, but not the same as comprehensive testing in a sleep lab. He says these products will give you kind of a general idea of how well you're sleeping. 
but not those nitty gritty details of what sleep stage you're in. Uh, they can't tell you if you have sleep apnea. Uh, if a formal study is needed, your family doctor can refer you to a local sleep clinic. There are many reasons people feel tired uh, and uh, lots of medical and psychological factors may play a role. A doctor may need to review your prescriptions and order several different blood tests, including checking your iron levels and various vitamin levels. If you're found to have an iron deficiency, uh, your medical professional can recommend different types of supplements to help reach the levels that are right for you. Um, they may also screen you for potential thyroid issues like hypothyroidism, which can cause exhaustion as a main symptom. Uh, also, it could be sleep apnea. If you're clocking somewhere between seven and nine hours, but you still feel exhausted in the morning, sleep apnea might be the cause. This is a condition that causes the breathing to stop and start intermittently. Uh, it might be like a snoring and, and gasping type thing. If you have a partner, that may be something they can provide some insight on to diagnose. And it's important to get that treated uh, because it can lead to a lot of health issues. Also interesting is that we have this belief that if we're having very crazy dreams where we're running around, you know, being chased by a lion or something like that, <laughs> we sort of feel like, okay, we maybe didn't actually get the sleep we need. That's actually not the case. Apparently that is a sign of good and deep sleep. And also this one was a disappointment to me, uh, getting more than nine hours of sleep regularly, as well as less than seven hours of sleep regularly, is not good for you. So basically, the upshot here is if you wake up in the morning not feeling so hot routinely, good to go see your doctor to get checked out. Uh, how do you guys do here on the, um, uh, you guys are in Toronto and the show is midday, so that's not too bad schedule wise, but uh, how do you guys do with your sleep? Do you get sort of a full eight hours and do you feel rested and refreshed in the morning? Well, if you're a regular listener on the show, you can answer on behalf of me. Yes, I love my sleep. <laughs> I prioritize it. I recommend it. I encourage everyone around me to sleep well and healthy, not like sleep all day, but you know what I mean? I pay attention to when somebody says they're not getting good sleep either. But it's interesting how many of us, like I feel there's still a lot of stigma around sleeping, you know, or feeling like you need to uh, ask for a full night of sleep or staying out too late on Friday nights is just part of the norm, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Danielle, I'm curious about you. Well, I really like sleeping as well. Um, okay. I try to get my, you know, my, my eight hours. Uh, it's always hard when I'm reading a book I really like just before I go to bed. Either I keep reading it until late or it haunts my sleep because I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen next. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, sleep apnea is a big problem, especially as people get older, that, that it becomes more common. Um, and a lot of times people don't know they have sleep apnea unless their partner tells them. So if you live alone, yeah. you, you may not know that you're waking up, you know, 10 times in an hour or that you're you know, snoring loudly enough to rattle the windows, um, and and these are these are real problems with sleep. Um, I, I, 
you know, have various family members with, with uh, sleeping issues. And I, I know they can, they can be miserable. Not, not getting enough sleep yeah. probably feels worse than getting too much, but I don't mm. know. Yeah. It's interesting for, uh, well, some of us, because I think having vision loss, uh, we talked about this around the off air yesterday. Um, I think can really mess up a person's sleep cycle. And yeah. that's definitely the case for me where I feel like, you know, society kind of forces me to get up and go to bed at somewhat regular times. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do my job, but like mm-hmm. I was left alone or I find if I have like two weeks of vacation or whatever, I, my sleep cycle is all over the place. I can be up until the morning. I can be, you know, not tired for hours and then suddenly kind of want to sleep through the day. It's, it's really crazy. And I, I should probably get myself to a sleep clinic too, but mm-hmm. um, de- definitely important to get a handle on that. Yeah, for sure. That notion uh, no. of the the wearables and all these different ways that we track our sleep are great, but we have to tag that onto if you experience any problems uh, or you know that you know you're noticing irregular sleep, especially that REM stuff, because it's very specific information nowadays. These um, wearables and other tracking devices can give you, you know, utilize that information and talk to your healthcare professionals. Grant, you are ready to move on. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, too, is that uh, he may be a bit out of date because the wearables are getting better and better and can get yeah. much more information. Uh, all right, we'll zip through this next one quickly here. Uh, we've got an article. Uh, so the provincial government of Ontario and the Ontario Medical Association have agreed to decrease payments to doctors for one-off virtual visits move meant to stem the tide of virtual only clinics and encourage doctors to provide comprehensive ongoing care to patients. The one-off virtual visits will be paid at a reduced rate of $15 to $20 when the physician renders a service to a patient where there is not an existing patient-physician relationship, according to the physician services agreement. Uh, the uh, Let's see here. Uh, they say an ongoing relationship with a family physician is the foundation of a good healthcare system as it provides both comprehensive care and continuity of care. Uh, critics, though, are saying that honestly, this is going to attack the most vulnerable people, those people without a family doctor. They didn't really mention it, but I would also say, you know, people with disabilities where sometimes actually going in in person, you know, it's one of these things again, where we always come up with, we, our community knows that stuff is possible for years before the general public knows that it's possible. I've always known that as you got like, not just me, every, all of us have that, you know, why not just call your doctor to get your prescription renewal if you don't have to do it in person? But it doesn't work that way because it's all based on the fee structure. Finally, we've started to have these virtual visits. And now it looks like things are going to start to be reduced in terms of the fees, at least in certain cases. And I'm curious how you guys think this will impact people's uh, 
initiative to provide that virtual care to vulnerable patients. So the idea is that the doctors will get less money than if they're treating someone who isn't part of their... So the idea is that if you have an ongoing relationship with a family doctor, you can still see them virtually. That's fine. They'll still get the same amount of money. Also, if you're referred to a specialist, it doesn't affect that. Uh, However, I guess they're trying to clamp down on like these kind of virtual only uh, clinics that are popping up and, and doctors that are sort of trying to fill the capacity by seeing people virtually who don't have an existing patient relationship with them. It's, it's one of these things that just sounds, I don't know, it doesn't even really sound that great in theory, but I guess I can see how it maybe sounded good to some people in the boardroom, but I'm just curious how it will actually affect vulnerable patients day to day. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like there will be people who won't get access to a doctor. We never really, you know, that, that, because doctors are going to say, well, I'm not going to take that patient. I don't get paid enough for it. And then that patient doesn't get to see a doctor that, or, or hear from a doctor. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah, I suppose there's not, not really much else to say on that other than uh, it just seems like we're creating less incentives for doctors to see those vulnerable patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be great to think that everybody should have a family physician. That seems like almost kind of a rite of passage to have a family physician, but unfortunately we're just not set up for that yet. It's only a lucky Mm -hmm. few who have that. And it's almost yeah. a privilege too, isn't it? Because it sort of transmits often down from your family that already has one. It seems as though that's what, how it seems. And it definitely feels like there's not enough of a support system to have a regular doctor if you're coming from the place where you don't already, or if you've moved to a new area, or if you know the most accessible doctors are not taking patients. Grant, great articles. Thank you so much for bringing these. Always a pleasure, folks. Talk to you later. Grant Hardy is our reporter and uh, helps us produce here on Kelly and Company. We're going to take a break. Come back with Greg David. He's got some spooky favorite TV shows for us to check out leading up to Halloween. 